Welcome to episode 33 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Friday the 25th of September. (laughs) (laughs) It's October! (laughs) Welcome to episode 33 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Friday the 25th of October 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and again, I'm joined by Mr. Rob Lewis. Hello. And this episode, we've got loads of great stuff to talk about. We are going to be talking about BERT, which is the new Google algorithm update that Google says it represents the biggest leap forward in the past five years and one of the biggest leaps forward in the history of search. So that sounds worth talking about. We are also going to be talking about new Google Ads stuff in terms of lead form extensions and a bumper ads beta. I think we're going to save talking about our friend but till the end of the podcast I don't know how long um, I'll be going on about that for so it'd be a good idea if we kick off with our Google Ads changes so it was I think last week we saw uh, lead form extensions or form lead extensions going live on Google Ads is that right? It is yep. So tell us about form lead extensions, what they are, what they do, and why we should care. So it's a new ad extension that you can add to your Google Ads adverts um, that allows you to create a customized lead form, which um, will appear in the Google search results. And because you can customize it, you can customize it to capture within reason any data that you deem to be appropriate. So that's directly from the search result, basically. So this is for websites that have the goal of lead form generation so rather than going to the site and filling in the lead form you, you'll be able to do this directly from the search results is that right yes that's right um there are some rules around which accounts can use the lead form extensions um, i'm just going to quote uh, directly from google they have said to create and use a lead form extension on search your account must be in a non-sensitive vertical or sub-vertical. Some sensitive verticals and sub-verticals are not eligible for lead form extensions. So I just to clarify, I looked through the policies and they deem um, healthcare, gambling, political content, and just any kind of general misuse of personal information to form under the moniker of uh, sensitive verticals so if if you're in the healthcare or gambling or political sector then you're not going to be able to use them uh, presumably because they're worried that people would use the information for nefarious deeds or any kind of dodgy data capturing practices makes sense yep um so price wise users are charged a standard cost per click for opening the form all right so not actually for form completion not- so it's, that's kind of like that's kind of like cost per click in a way. It is, yeah. I'd say I'd call it more a cost per engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be that twenty people click on the form, but not a single person fills it in. But you're still going to get charged. But it may be worthwhile. It may you may end up having a higher conversion rate from people filling in the form via the search results rather than through your website itself. I think this is almost goes along with the other zero click stuff we see from Google now. Mm. So, I mean, I was showing um, some people the other day how obviously you can do a flight search in Google now and you 
can immediately interact with and search the data feed from flights from the search result. And you can actually go through, select and pay for the flight all without leaving mm. Google. So those websites aren't getting the visits anymore. Yeah. Um, and I guess for small businesses, it might actually solve some problems. So if you can drive leads directly from a site, it kind of maybe takes away from the headache of doing the conversion rate optimization, making sure the site speed is good and actually building and hosting a website mm. in a way. Because I assume it's going to be quicker for users if they know what they want to fill out the form directly from search? Yes. I, I, I think I'm in two minds about it. I've, I've, in my experience, um, speaking from a UK perspective, in my experience, the UK audience are a lot more wary when it comes to submitting information through lead forms. And um, so this, this new extension reminds me a lot of the messaging extension where you can um, send an SMS message through the Google Ads advert rather than having to go through the website and call someone. And I found that those extensions work really well in the USA, but they don't work very well in the UK. And this is a really new extension, this lead form extension. So, you know, no one has much data on it yet. I, I don't have any data on it at the moment. I only have a few clients where it's applicable to use. But I So did you think that's a cultural thing then between the UK and the US and the texting at least? I do. I do. There's a big difference. I mean, this is a whole other conversation. There's a massive difference between um, marketing to a UK audience and marketing to a US audience. Yeah. And I, I find that when you've marketed so long, for so long to a UK audience, when you suddenly have the opportunity to market to a US audience, it's so much easier <laughs> um, <laughs> it, um, for various reasons. But um, I just think that the UK audience are a lot more difficult. They're less yeah. trusting. And um, so... Uh, like like I say, this is a new extension and time will tell. It may be that it performs very well. But I, for one, as a British consumer, I would not like to part with my details until I've had a chance to have a look at the offering in more detail. I mean, what can you get from a small advert that doesn't actually explain the history of the company, doesn't allow you to to um find yeah, out a, about all the trusts so i think it's it's i'm not saying it's not going to work i don't know but i just that's just one of the one of the things i'm, I'm thinking about at the moment i always uh, find it interesting when you um or when i when i've been on holiday in the u.s just even seeing the tv ads they're like shockingly different from mm -hmm. from the uk and yeah. how in how direct they are and it, it actually pulls my attention away just overhearing tv ads there so it doesn't surprise me there's a big mm. difference with the the messaging and possibly forms as well one of the things worth bearing in mind with the um the lead form extension is that you can actually link it with your crm so any leads that get submitted can be automatically um pushed into your customer relationship management system um, and if you don't have a customer relationship management system or you don't have one that enables you to push the lead straight into it, then you can just export any leads that you generate through the lead form extension as a CSV file. Which people should be doing anyway. If they're doing lead gen, you would hope that they are they have some kind of CRM system to track the quality of the leads as well as the, the quantity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could be generating hundreds of leads a month but not closing any of them through pay-per-click. So you, you absolutely need to be looking at the quality of those leads and not just optimizing for volume but optimizing for quality as well. I think 
Facebook's got something similar. Is that right? They have lead capture forms. It does. And one of the things that uh, I find works really well with Facebook lead capture forms is that you can target on interests um, and just general behavior, which is a lot more difficult to do via Google, where it's a lot more rigid and you're, you're, you're showing forms to people on Google. Well, you will be showing forms now with the new lead form extension uh, based on people who are searching for a product or a service. So you're making the assumption on Google that they've searched for the service and they're ready to generate a lead there and then. Whereas with Facebook, you can you can show um, these forms in a more display orientated manner and you can target people based on their behaviors and interests. Okay. Um, and I find that the you can you can actually generate leads at a pretty low cost per lead on Facebook using that. So it would be interesting to compare campaigns, um, Facebook lead generation campaigns um, with this uh, new ad form extension on Google. Yeah, it's, it's good, I think, just to have the options anyway. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work for you, you don't have to use it, but it's there. On that note, interestingly, um, Google have just announced uh, a new change to uh, Google search audiences where you can now target by interests. So I did wonder if maybe this is some is maybe something to do with what they're trying to do now, which is where they're trying to give advertisers more of an opportunity to target by people's interests rather than their actual um, shopping research behavior so just to clarify on on google search you can target people based on remarketing audiences so people who have previously visited your website you can choose to only show adverts to those people um, you can also choose to only show adverts to people um, who are in the market for certain products or services so they've actively been researching products but up until now you've not been able to limit search adverts to people who show an affinity for certain interests so for example you may want to only show ads to people who like dogs or who like cats or who are interested in investment news um, in the past you could only um, carry out that kind of advertising on a display network really or on video advertising but now google have announced that you can now um, carry out that type of targeting on the search network as well so that's quite interesting and i would be really interested to um, play around with the lead form extension based on people's interests rather than what they've actively been shopping for yeah, it sounds really really quite big to me because one of the issues for certain um, organizations running search campaigns is they may want to target a set of search terms and they offer a specific product or service that's quite niche and actually there might be say a thousand searches for the thing they want to target but only a small percentage of those are actually after the product thereafter so it's, it's a search term with with very with multiple intent Absolutely. i should say so if you can identify these are that these are our customer and we just want to target these people that are likely our customer with that search, I think you're getting a lot closer to getting your ads in front of the people with the correct intent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, just to give you an example, there's um, an audience interest in boating. So um, let's just say you're a T-shirt manufacturer and you've got a, a range of T-shirts with um, boat nautical themed imagery on them. Um, imagine the opportunities that opens up if someone's looking for cheap t-shirts and you happen to know that you're that you can show adverts to people who are interested in boating 
then you know that's just that's just one so particular you could, example. You could jump straight to that category to to show them that basically. Yeah. yeah, and it's all it's more as marketers. I think we're finding more and more everything is more to do with the intent of the person mm. rather than the search query they're typing in. Search query can be one thing, but it's the intent, it's the person behind that search. The more that you can customize showing adverts to the right person rather than the search query, and the more likely you are to get um, a conversion. So, th I mean, I think the search query was where we started because it's the most basic clue for intent. Yeah. And now they're getting a bit more advanced. You can mm. kind of sculpt away the rest of the, the wasted spend. Yeah, of course. Cool. Um, another recent update, actually, I've, I've just been granted access to um, a beta um, tool that Google are trialing called the Bumper Video Ad Creator, um, which allows you to create um, six-second bumper ads from a much larger video to save you editing the video into lots of different chunks. Um, so if um, people listening don't know what a bumper video is, it's a really short um, in-stream video. So it's a video that shows when, that displays um, just before you watch a, a video on YouTube, for example, and they can only be a maximum of six seconds in length. I think that's about the maximum I tolerate with not being able yeah. to skip an ad. <laughs> well, these ones are unskippable. Um, so they're not charged on a per view basis like um, a lot of in-stream videos. These ones are charged on a per cost per 1,000 impression basis. That makes sense, really, because yeah. you can't, you know, six seconds, yes. you know, you can't really say whether they viewed it or not. You know, mm. you're halfway through at three seconds by the time they've woken up and they're desperately trying mm. to find the skip ad. Link. <laughs> I'm actually finding with a lot of the video advertising I do now are moving towards cost per impression against cost per view because the, the the view through rate on videos is so high at the moment anyway that I find that you get a much better um, bang for your buck through cost per impression. But that's I'm going off on a tangent there anyway. But anyway, so bumper videos I find I think they're great for um, keeping the brand in the forefront of the shopper's mind, um, particularly when they're utilized in like a sequence of videos. Um, so showing, revealing different sequences of the videos in different segments in the run-up to a promotion, for example, if there's a big promotion um, coming up in a couple of weeks, showing a sequence of bumper videos is great to keep awareness um, in the forefront of the shopper's mind that that... that um... So this sequence... Um... Is, is the same as like normal YouTube video sequences, right? When you can just have a set of videos and say, look, you want to show this one first, then this one, is that right? Yes, but we're talking about bumper videos here, so much shorter yeah. videos. Yeah, so it's the same, but shorter videos, yeah. right? And so I haven't looked at this at all yet. Is this, am I correct in that you're uploading a longer video mm -hmm. and Google through AI slash magic is chopping it up for you and suggesting which parts to use as bumper ads. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see what the results, <laughs> well, what the results of this are, because that's that's got to be a difficult thing to do. Well, it's interesting that you should say that because I have been playing around with it for the last couple of days. And... I wonder why you've been laughing at your desk. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've had mixed results. So on one video, 
I pull it through and it have, I don't know how it did it, but it was, it, it genuinely put together a sequence of about six clips from um, a one minute video showing just parts of the video that would work really well as a sequence of videos in small six second bumper form. I tried another video and it just didn't work at all. And I ended up with about 10 versions of exactly the same six second clip. So this is still in beta. It's being tested by Google. So is it, is it, sorry, is it breaking the videos up with the intention of creating a, a set of sequences? Yes. Not just, okay. So no, it's, it's not just, it's not just here's some interesting segments it's here's how to break the video up into six second segments yeah it breaks okay. it up it, it identifies various six second segments sequences <laughs> segments um and allows you to choose the ones that you like the best basically okay. so but it does use as you say it analyzes them and think in, and chooses the parts of that video which it thinks based on Google's infinite wisdom, what, um, which parts of the video it thinks people are most likely going to get sucked into, I suppose. So videographers beware yet or not quite yet? Not quite yet. As <laughs> I say, I ended up with about 10 versions of the same six second sequence okay. of one of my videos. But on the other one, it was, um, it was pretty good. So, um, so maybe Fiverr beware. Maybe, yes. <laughs> but it, not professionals just yet. Yeah, I mean, what it's doing is it's saving someone having to cut up an existing video yeah. and export them into different different chunks of video that then have to be uploaded individually onto YouTube f for the purposes of a bumper advertising campaign. It's a lot quicker. It's really handy. Okay, it's not perfect at the moment, but I'm sure they're working on it and it's going to be very useful moving forward. So BERT is Google's neural network based technique for natural language processing, NLP, pre-training. And was it's actually a system like a um, on its own that was, it's open source and was released back in 2018. And I think it's worth, because I've just said um, that BERT stands for bi-directional encoded representations from transformers. And then that is a neural network based technique for natural language processing pre-training it's probably worth just covering some of those terms and what they mean. Um, so uh, neural networks are basically mathematical models that are inspired by the human brain. Um, a common, I think a common misconception is that they're like models of how the human brain work, but they're not. They are very basically systems that learn to perform tasks by looking at lots and lots of examples of those tasks rather than being um, explicitly programmed how to do them. So rather than these are the rules of the game, for instance, it will just observe lots of the games being played and infer what the rules are from that. NLP, natural language processing, is pretty much what it says on the tin. It's just really the term that we use for computers trying to comprehend language, which is actually a really interesting and very 
deep, deep and wide layer uh, kind of pool of computer science because it sounds on the surface like quite an easy thing, but understanding the nuances of language, written language, is actually a really, really difficult thing to do. I'll include links in the uh, in the blog post note in the sorry in the show notes, which is at search.withcanda.co.uk, and that will give links to some of the specifics that I've mentioned. If you want to read more about this, the the big breakthrough Google had with BERT was the use of transformers. So that's the T in BERT, and the core idea behind using this transformer-based model is what's called self-attention, which is basically the ability to attend to different positions of what's being put in, so like the strings of text, and from that computer representation of the sequence. So it means that rather than just analyze the, the kind of words on their own, it can look back at the position of those words in the sentence and um, advance its understanding of the sentence as a whole, the meaning of the sentence. So if that doesn't quite make sense yet, don't worry. Um, you can listen to it again, but I've got some examples that should hopefully, Google's given some examples which should hopefully um, make that make sense to you. So they, when they, before they released BERT, they, Google was essentially testing different ways of trying to evaluate their understanding of language. And in the blog post, they actually list the different types of neural network approach that they used. And they have a way of scoring the results, um, which is called the Bilingual Evaluation Understudy Score, or B-L-E-U, or as Rob very correctly pronounced it, the bleh <laughs> score. Um, so this, this uh, essentially showed them that Using this method, which was a different method to um, ones they previously tried, they were getting a much higher fidelity on the understanding of language. And they are going to essentially apply this better understanding to search. So I'm just going to now divert off to the blog post that I'll link you to about uh, about BERT to, to talk not about the technical stuff, but about the application and, and what it's useful for. So Google said, by applying BERT models to both ranking and featured snippets in search, we're able to do a much better job helping you find useful information. In fact, when it comes to ranking results, BERT will help search better understand one in 10 searches in the US in English, and will bring this to more languages and locales over time. So I think firstly, there's a couple of really important things in there. One they're saying that this BERT uh, model is going to impact normal organic rankings, your kind of one to 10 rankings, and it's going to impact how the featured snippets are going to appear in search. And normally, um, as we've previously talked about, they're fairly sort of separate entities in a way. So it's interesting that this BERT model, which I think it's fair to say is rather than having an impact on ranking, how a web page might rank, it's got more to do with the selection of which page is going to rank. So rather than 
looking at this as if it's a ranking factor. It's not, but isn't a thing that's going to make a page go from position six to four. It's more actually Google's probably going to choose a different page if it thinks that's that's a more relevant result. It says it's going to affect one in 10 searches, which is which is actually a huge, huge amount. So if that affected one in 10 searches globally, um, that would be in the hundreds of millions of searches a day that that this model is going to impact. It's also interesting to note that they've said it's at the moment dealing only in English searches, which is understandable. It's a good place to start because a lot of the web is written in English. But my thoughts on this were because different languages can be structured very differently, they will likely have to train this model on every language because you know you even even the basic languages that are very similar like French and English are incredibly similar but we do things like we use the order of adjectives and nouns differently so I'll say the red table but in in French obviously it's the table red so I guess that this model has to account for that going on Google says particularly for longer more conversational queries or searches where prepositions like for and to matter a lot to the meaning. Search will be able to understand the context of the words in your query. You can search in a way that feels natural to you. So they're saying while it affects likely one in 10 searches in the US in English, it's much more likely to affect these longer search queries, which is actually something that the previous systems that so we, if you're working in SEO, you've probably heard of RankBrain, which was Google's other uh, artificial intelligence attempt to specifically tackle search terms they hadn't encountered or search queries I should say they hadn't encountered before which was a massive still 15% so 15% Google said I believe it was 2017 that 15% of searches they see on a daily basis are unique are new and they haven't happened before which actually, when you look at the math side of, you know, the amount of words people have and the, the ways they can use them, that's that's not uh, unexpected because there's a huge amount of combinations in the way you can ask the same question. So RankBrain was kind of Google's AI attempt at actually here's a here's a way to apply models to better understand what people are asking when they ask us these. And we've confirmed already from Google that RankBrain isn't going away. It hasn't been replaced but this kind of BERT model is there to support it. And I guess when you get search queries, it's gonna go through some other system that's gonna de decide which part of the algorithm is going to give the best result for that query. So Google says to, to launch these improvements, we did a lot of testing to ensure that the changes actually are more helpful, which is good to hear. Here are some of the examples that showed up uh, showed up during the evaluation process that demonstrate Bert's ability to understand the intent behind your search. And they've given an example here. They say, here's a search for 2019 Brazil traveler to USA need a visa. The words to and its relationship to the other words in the query are particularly important to understanding the meaning. So 2019 Brazil traveler to USA need a visa. As humans, we understand what that means is in 2019, someone from Brazil is traveling to the USA and they need a visa. 
So it's about a Brazilian traveling to the US and not the other way around. And Google says, previously our algorithms wouldn't understand the importance of this connection. And we returned results about US citizens traveling to Brazil. With BERT, search is able to grasp this nuance and know that the very common word to actually matters a lot more here and we can provide a much more relevant result for this query. So they've given two examples of uh, before and after BERT. And as they said, the before BERT is a search about US citizens traveling, whereas the post BERT or after BERT is launched answer gives a usembassy.gov site information uh, about tourist and travel visas for people from, from Brazil. So it's a, a much, much better result. And it's interesting because if, if you look at uh, guides and tutorials on, you know, how to say build your own search engine and do text analysis, one of the kind of shortcuts that they take are very basic search engines is they generally discard all of these words like, you know, to, from, the, a, because they're, they're just repeated so much, they add a lot of noise to search. So what Google's doing is they're saying they understand on a comprehension level that these kind of joiner words are, uh, there's probably actually a, <laughs> there's probably actually like a proper term in linguistics for what I've just called joiner words. So apologies if you know what that is, and I don't. Um, but it's it's showing that the understanding of those words and their, import, their importance in context of the sentence is what is key to comprehension. They also give uh, results where but doesn't work that well, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so they've said, search is not a solved problem. No matter what you're looking for or what language you speak, we hope you're able to let go of some of your keyword ease and search in a way that feels uh, natural for you. But you'll still uh, stump Google from time to time, even with BERT, we don't always get it right. If you search for what state is south of Nebraska, BERT's best guest is a community called South Nebraska, which you can kind of understand. You're saying what's south of Nebraska. Um, and they said, if you've, got, if you've got a feeling it's not uh, in Kansas, you're right. So obviously Kansas is, is south and that's maybe what a human would answer. Language understanding remains an ongoing challenge and it keeps us motivated to continue and improve search. We're always getting better and working to find the meaning in and the most helpful information for every query you send our way every day. Um, there's one more example here. So they've said, here, here's another example where BERT helped us grasp the subtle nuances of language that computers don't quite understand the way humans do. And they've done a search for, can you get medicine for someone pharmacy? From that, I take, can you get medicine for someone pharmacy as can you pick up medicine maybe for someone else at the pharmacy? And Google's saying before, but um, they didn't understand that the for someone was an important part of the query. So before, but results were giving uh, results just about getting a prescription filled. And after, but they've given a result about can a patient have a friend or family member pick up a prescription? So it is actually quite impressive. Um, so it reminds me a bit of when we saw the Google uh, duplex uh, do the telephone call. Mm. And then um, it was dealing, for instance, with heavy accents really well, but we were, because we weren't familiar with them, we were having trouble understanding as well. Is the future of where this is going, moving away from 
Google finding the most relevant static search result that has the answer to the question you've asked and instead analyzing multiple sources and giving you the answer that you're seeking. Yeah, 100%. So there's a lot of talk around in SEO around SEO is ASO, which is search engine optimization is um, answer engine optimization or AEO, sorry, not ASO, answer engine optimization. Uh, you know, we see it throughout search now. If you Google for the weather, you just get the weather result. If you Google movies, you just get the results direct in the search page where that movie's showing, what time it is. Uh, with Google Shopping, like with the flights example we mentioned earlier, yeah, Google's definitely going towards the, this. you know, it's all based around this time to result thing. So how quickly can I give you the answer? So if it can be sure that it's going to give you a good answer, then it will just do that. So I think that's where they need our cooperation with stuff like schema, where we can specifically label stuff on sites to say, this is definitely this, this is that. Where Google sometimes gets its uh, knickers in a twist is where it's left, like you say, to decide what is the best result or what's the correct answer. Because if it's providing multiple search results, it's kind of hedging its bets and letting you pick. Having a computer do that final step of saying, this is the answer can be quite dangerous, obviously, because if they get it wrong, um, it's normally very wrong and they can look really stupid. We did that example with um, the how many legs do certain animals have with the feature snippets and Google was saying uh, rabbits have uh, 200 legs and ducks have like 40 legs or something. So there's a way to go, I think, on that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the strategic direction um, they're going in. And I think the likely outcome we'll see from this as users is we'll get a more diverse set of search results. So maybe rather than the the fewer sites that are more authoritative ranking for queries that maybe um, don't quite match up with the content, I would imagine we'll see a larger cross-section of sites that answer questions basically better, that have that, have that, um, have the intent correctly matched up. So what do you actually need to do then as an SEO, because I have no doubt we're going to be swamped over the next few weeks in the the ultimate guide to optimizing for BERT. Um, the advice is pretty much exactly the same as RankBrain, which is there actually isn't anything you can specifically do to optimize for like this BERT model, apart from actually make better content, answer users' questions and the stuff that we've been hammering on about for years now. This is, you know, the technology is catching up. Ten years ago, Google used to tell us to write good content and do this. And actually, a lot of the SEO effort just went into building links because the very objective fact of the matter was that Google wasn't very good at telling what good content was, how to match up intent with um, with good answers it was it was really heavily relying on links. So people just built links and they ranked number one and they were very happy about it. Google has kept fairly uh, consistent in what they've been telling us to do. And we are at the stage now where the technology has very much caught up with that guidance of, you know, think about what your user the users are asking. Think about how you're answering it. By that, I mean, what format you're using, you know, video, images, text, and actually trying to make the the best experience for the user. That's what all of these models are heading us towards. So actually, while the answer is fairly simple, the answer is a lot of work. 
So you do need to do research. You do need to work on the user experience of the site. You do need to make sure you are providing good answers fast in a way people can understand. I feel as though um, this update, to me, it seems like it's a really important point in the history of search. That's how it appears to me. Um, That's what Google's promised. So they've, they've said the biggest leap forward in the history of search. There are so many questions that are springs. Like the, this is the first I've heard of it. Is listening to you speak about Bert, but um, I mean there are all sorts of things. You know, Google has so much data that's disparate and all over the place, and that's fine from a privacy point of view. I guess this is another whole a bog, um, question to ask and a whole other conversation, but. If Google is intelligent to the point where you can ask it a question about someone and it knows that it has information about someone that's located on lots of different separate social media sites, um, news sites, yeah. could it potentially answer a question that would historically have had to have been carried out by a private investigator, for example? Yeah, so we've got so stuff again like the the schema where the objective is for Google to identify entities, whether that is a person, an organization, um, whatever thing it is, and the connections between those entities. That's one of the um, overriding goals, I think. And that's really important for them to be able to return good results, to understand who is who and understand that this Mark Williams Cook is different to this one and these two are the same and they're connected to these companies and they write on these web pages. Um, there are certain um, already legal processes you can go through to have search results um, that are about you removed from Google. Um, but you're right, it will be interesting what will happen as more information becomes more easily accessible because as you say a lot of this information is accessible if you know where to look and if you've got good google foo or if you've got <laughs> money to hire a private investigator but i think that's been a that's been an issue uh with all sorts of things because obviously we we've had updated laws because you know when how to make bombs became very easily accessible public knowledge you know we got a terrorism act and because yeah there, there's an issue with well not not necessarily an issue you know i'm i'm quite an advocate of um, information personally being accessible to everyone and, and free in that way but we do I guess societally need to navigate around that like you say that's probably a, a really big mm. issue I Again, guess we've never been at this point in history before where we're getting to the point where we can literally ask the computer give me the answer to this question 42 <laughs> yes <laughs> and it will and it will give it to you without having to do any legwork at all whatsoever and it could be used for all sorts of good things good things good things only let's leave it there <laughs> okay. before we before we consider the alternative uh thank you very much for listening uh we've gone a little bit over again um i hope you've enjoyed this episode we will be back in one week's time so that will be monday the 4th of november you can get all of the show notes as usual at search.withcanda.co.uk. So you have all the links to all the announcements we've talked about and all the really geeky 
uh, machine learning, neural networking, deep learning stuff that we've been talking about. If you want to geek up on that, um, I'll actually link as well. I found a really nice uh, tutorial for TensorFlow, which is Google's machine learning framework, um, which actually uses transforms uh, or transformers, sorry, um, in language translation. They give you a tutorial on how to build your own language translation with their framework. So I'll link to that as well. Uh, otherwise, I hope you have a really great week and enjoy playing with Bert.